following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate y'all joining us this Wednesday evening, or if you're tuning in at a later date as well, too. It does not matter. We are always pleasured to have you spend spending some time with us to talk a little bit about sports, life, the meaning of happiness, and a little bit of everything in between. Today, we got a lot to talk about. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we uh, we got a lot that went on in this last week as well, too, throughout the sports world. And you know, we're going to touch a little bit, bit on the hardwood. We're going to talk about a little on the gridiron. We're going to go to the octagon. We might have a special guest joining us, too, to talk a little bit about a little bit about some of it as well. Yeah, we're about to go through the whole gambit of things today. It's 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 a whole lot of things. Also, it's Women's History Month, day one of Women's History Month. If you guys don't know, all of March is Women's History Month. So uh, we'll also be talking a little bit about, uh, you know, trailblazers in the women's game of sports. It could be any sport. It could be track, it could be field. We'll talk about that later on as well in crunch time. But yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, this is gonna be gonna be kind of cool, and uh, you, you know, get to talk some some hardwood. Get to bring a special guest in here, uh, have a nice little conversation about, well, some football, some more <laughs> football, and that's right, more football, ladies and gentlemen. Who who is surprised? It's off season. We talked about this before. The off season is when we talk the most about football. It feels like it, it, during the during the season we're just like, eh, yeah, whatever. But and in, in the off season, this is when we we really crack, crack down on uh on on the, uh, the the game of football, if you will. And one thing that he, our host will tell you, too, is that just because the Super Bowl is over, that does not mean that football season is over. It is not the off season. technically. It is simply a new season. This football is a year-round game, and you're going to see a little bit more about what we mean here in a little bit as well, too. It's, it's definitely not necessarily what you think while also being what you think at the same time. So we got a lot to get into, but first, we're going to go and start things off with the tip-off. And the tip for the tip-off, too, it's going to be brought to you by SeatGeek, as you can see on the screen. Use Belly of Sports, get shelf 20% off on that, for $20 off on that first order as well too and kelsey for the tip off it seems appropriate we start on the hardwood we're going to talk basketball which honestly with what goes on the nba especially recently in this time of year we need to start having a daily show just to encapsulate all this because we got a lot we got a lot to roll through what's just happened in this these last seven days since we were last chatting yeah it's been uh, an absolutely wild last seven days you got what another over 60 point performance in 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 the league Uh, we'll get to that in a second you got MVP candidates running rat, r- rough shot through everybody. You have everybody getting hurt who's supposed to not be getting hurt in competitive teams. And well, I mean, then you have everybody in between. You have like the nets and, 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 and everything in between. Like you just don't know what to make of it. And you're just like, Oh, well they're there still somehow after losing Kevin Durant, I don't get it. And, and that's not even a count. Kevin Durant finally made his appearance with the Suns as well. So, you know, a lot of, yeah. NBA is, is getting kind of crazy and, they, they what they play every like four out of the uh, seven days of a week and we still can't keep up it at this point if somebody wants to throw a few extra digits our way we will gladly start doing a daily show just to keep up with all this as well too but we're gonna go and start with something that i know that you that means a whole lot to you i want to start with the kings now your kings not only are they having a bounce back season but for the first time in 20 years they are almost assured to be in a playoff spot right now so to sitting comfortably at the three seed a couple games ahead of the suns in the four seed and not not too far behind the two seed as well too. So I, I was gonna let you open to this one, give yourself a little bit of chance. You haven't got a chance to talk about your Kings in a very long time in such a positive manner. It's usually, how are they gonna disappoint me? Right now though, it's how are they gonna disappoint me after making the playoffs? How are they gonna? So tell me how are you feeling about your Kings right now. Arguably the I think it saw a stat the highest offensive rating in NBA history right now this season. Couldn't remember if it was the on the season or if it was just for that one game against the Clippers, but 
they're, they're having a fantastic season. And honestly, let's hear it. How are you feeling? Uh, scared. Um, hmm. It's too much pressure. Like, you can't go from not making the playoffs in 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. That's right. 20 years. Literally longer than some of some. My, there's possibly somebody listening who has not been alive since the Kings made the playoffs last. Guaranteed. Um, yeah. And like 20 years and you go from not making the playoffs, just missing out on, on, on a playing tournament. And now you're sitting in third in the West out of the, out of the little box they put on the fancy screen that says, Hey, you're in, you're, you're, you're fighting for your, your playoff life. Like they're ahead of that box for the first time in 20 years. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's wild. Uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I'm so excited to see what they can do. And, you know, again, I've talked about this before, like as a sports fan, I've been kind of spoiled with the giants giving me so many championships in so many years. Um, but at the same time, the San Francisco giants, by the way, not New York, mm-hmm. let's not get carried away um, here, but uh, like, you know, I would, I would still love to see the Kings at least make the playoffs and, and maybe even win a series. Um, not, I might be asking for too much, but it's been a long time. It's been a long time coming. Speaking of your Kings, there is a rumor that a lot that the Lakers trying to fight their way into that spot. Speaking, of, was trying to just get in there. A lot of teams are saying they'd like to match up with the Kings at the bottom because the inexperience, that sort of thing, and the Lakers being one team tied to that, which they got their own set of work to do right now with LeBron looking to be out for a couple of weeks. Anthony Davis dinged up right now in an important game. Like they got some work to do just to get to the play in at this point. So, as far as those teams go, though, matching up with your Kings, do you see the Kings as maybe the quote-unquote easier of those top seeds or do you think it's just maybe maybe a little bit of youthful experience that might actually make it more difficult for everybody else i don't know if it's 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 gonna say easier by any means and look if the lakers even make it in into the play-in tournament you still have to get through the play-in tournament so let's not get carried away then and even then you're if you make the play-in tournament you're not going to match up with the kings unless they somehow finish ahead of the grizzlies and the nuggets which i guess the way the grizzlies are playing lately it's a complete possibility there they're um, fine in the west though yeah, but like, you know, it, it's it, it, I don't know, man. The Lakers. I don't know if the Kings are the if if the Kings are the the matchup for the Lakers. Considering I think if I'm not mistaken, the Kings have swept the Lakers so far this season. Uh, I don't think that you know that, that doesn't mean anything in the playoffs at the end of the day, anyways. But uh, I, I will say that yeah, it's potential that the Kings might be the quote unquote softest of the top. I, I'd even say top six in the West right now. But you know what we've seen lately in, in, in all sports is naivety, youth, they tend to take you a long way in in, 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 in the playoffs. Uh, look at the Bengals just two years ago. The Bengals this last year. Um, just, just completely naive. They hadn't been there before. They did it back-to-back seasons. No team that loses the Super Bowl is supposed to make the playoffs again. They did it. Made the, the AFC Championship game again. And then here we are. Like So the Kings, like, yeah, they, they, they may be the most inexperienced. They may be the soft team in the West. But... It's the playoffs. You play the game. It's not what's not one on with pen and paper. So I will say too that Dante's a bonus trade for Tyrese Halliburton at the time seemed egregious. It's worked out nicely considering they've been able to keep Sabonis and they've been able to what he's been able to do almost averaging a triple double. The underrated guy who's averaging almost a triple double is a forward as well, too. He's had a sensational season with the Kings for sure. They'll have to keep yeah, him long term. I, I gotta say though, I still I still would love to have Tyrese Halliburton out there. Um just but you know, I beggars can't be choosers at that point. That would be a dynamic backcourt having him and De'Aaron Fox. Not a whole lot of defense necessarily, somehow but a whole keep, lot of dynamic. Somehow have the Sabonis still. I'd take Sabonis somehow in that in that as well. That'd be great. Somehow just get rid of everything else and add those three. And you know, I'm what? just I'm being up. greedy now. They're, they're going to make the playoffs for the first time in 20 years, and I'm just going to be greedy. 
10, 10 minutes of success and you're already starting to get greedy as well. So you've already, you're already reaching as the Kings fan, the throw the being, being at the table is not enough. Now you're reaching for the crown, but I do. Man, also I've, want had to to with, I've had to deal with, I'd have to deal with Lakers fans for the last 20 years. of Yeah. Fair, fair point too. But I will point out too, Marvin Bagley, who was ver- very expressive. about not being too thrilled in uh Sacramento kind of probably wouldn't mind being back there right now as well too. I mean, not having a whole lot of fun in Detroit. So he, Maybe he wants to head back to Sacramento now after what they've gone. To through. be fair, nobody nobody has a whole lot of fun in Detroit. Not recently, that's for sure as well. Too. And not not at least in not at least in the basketball realm. Football wise, they've had a little bit of fun, but not basketball. I was about to say the X or the USFL coming up will have a little fun in the uh, in Detroit. They got two teams playing there at Ford Field, so that'll be yeah. I mean, that's about the only people that have fun in in, in Detroit nowadays. I guess Kneecaps yeah, not even the red not even the Red Wings have fun. And kneecaps aren't having much fun in Detroit these days either as well, too. But also, since we talked about a triple-doubles as well, too, I got to point out, Nikola Jokic averaging a triple-double right now as well, too. The clear clear front-runner making a joke out of the competition is this lovely graphics guy put together for us right now as well, too. Saying Bravo, graphics guy. Basically, on that Russell Westbrook tear from a few years ago with fewer points, but the number one seed in the West and running away with it. Ray Rich, all betting things, he's like negative 300 to be MVP, if not more as well, too. Let me. We'll we'll start with. We kind of think we're both agreeing. He's probably the front runner for MVP right now. Like should be. I mean, like he he should be. Like it it should be that case that that Jokic is is number one. Um, But as you know, sorry. As as our Instagram friends pointed out to us uh, not too long ago. Uh, you know, Jokic being a front runner isn't necessarily the truth. He, it's the NBA is kind of a popularity contest in a lot of ways. So, uh, yeah, he should be the number one MVP candidate. But voter fatigue and all the other BS they want to throw out there kind of keeps him from assuring himself there. What's weird is it like this year he's definitely deserving of it, but like last year we both made the case he probably shouldn't have got it last year. Last year it felt like they just kind of handed it to him. Last year of these three years in a row, last year's the one he least deserved it. Where this one he might most deserve it, but if voter fatigue does kick in, well, we'll have to see. But one thing I will say is this is putting a, I think you could say this is putting a lot of pressure on him to not just actually win a playoff game this year, but also try it. You got to win some playoff series as well, too. I mean, swept by it. The Golden State five gentlemen sweep of the year before that. Like the MVPs in the playoff success haven't quite matched up so far. So, what do you think is the where's the plateau he has to get to this year for it to not kind of be, for lack of a better terms, a joke in reverse? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I th- I'd say at the very least back to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I think that's the very least. I think they need us to keep the one seed. And they need to make it back to the Western Conference Finals at the bare minimum here. Um, anything less than that, it just feels like it's a Dak Prescott empty calorie type of season. Um, uh, it just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't feel it, like you, it, it doesn't feel like Jokic has won two MVPs back to back. Like it really doesn't. And then at the same time, like if he wins a third, you know the the trifecta there, three years. I believe if I'm not mistaken, first time since what Bill Russell. Some maybe Kareem something like that. Like, I don't yeah, know. There's only like, it's only happened a very hand few small handful. Like of times. two, I think it take two, two players have ever won it back to back to back. So like I mean, and then it, it just kind of like you just look at it and you just kind of question like, wait, he won the MVP three times in a row. So yeah, I, I I feel like if he doesn't get to the the, the Western Conference Finals, it's just kind of empty calories at that at the end of the day. Weird stat I saw too is if he does presumably win it, he would be the 
only the third guy in recent memory, I think the last 30 years or so, maybe even longer than that, to not be top 10 in scoring while winning the MVP, joining Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki, which Dirk Nowitzki was ridiculously efficient that year, and they won 68 games, I think it was, because it was the year Golden State took him out in the first round. So he's ridiculously efficient and basically sat in the fourth quarter, similar to Steph's 2015. And Steve Nash, we already know the story of that. He was a 15 and 12, basically, for two 60-win teams, which could make the case on those MVPs. We won't get into that. that that's a long, yeah. long dialogue. Uh, I was like, well, by the way, uh, Larry Bird was last to do it, Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell. Those are the three that have won three three in a row. Very I had to make sure I was... <laughs> Very Lee Company. I know there's some hardware that account, some hardware for the hands that account that accompany some of those as well, too. So we'll see if the Joker can add a little bit of add a little bit of bling to his hands to go with the trophy case as well. But and he's coming off a 40 point triple double recently as well. But not even the most impressive explosion we've seen in the last week or so is a we've seen a couple, we've seen a 60, 60 and 20. We've seen a 73 and nine, I believe it was, or 73 and 10. And now we got a 71. Excuse me, it was a 71 and nine. And now we got our 71 on north of 50% from three shooting with Damian, Dame, Dollar, Lillard, 71 points, 41 at halftime. I think it was 18 three-pointers or something. Absolutely asinine as well, too. Incredible efficiency as well. And on top, I know it was against the Rockets, so it wasn't exact. So the competition is, uh, we'll say, middling. It was the nice way we'll put it, but. <laughs> I went, I'm just going to ask you what when we first saw the stat line, we were both like, um, I'm sorry, what? So once we kind of got through, by the way, it's 13 of 22 from three, 22 of 38 overall with six assists as well. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you first. Uh, my first thought for this one was, oh, my God, what is he doing to these poor men? The heat check from the logo while walking into it's absolutely insane. It, what were your thoughts when we kind when we kind of got through this and saw that final stat line? Uh, there it is. That's the game I've been looking for. Um, yeah, no, that was, it really was, it was, it was kind of like, Hey, there's the guy that I've been looking for all season long. That's the guy that was supposed to be a potential all-star MVP as well. Um, before he missed at, ironically, a half court three to start off his night and then missed seven straight threes, uh, after that. So no, I, I think this is one of those things like you, we talked about this in, in going into this season, like Dame, what's the, was the next kind of thing that Dame can do to, to kind of set himself apart and, he doesn't care about the individual accolades. He, he honestly, you ask him about these, the, the the records that he set that night: eighteen threes, uh, you know, twenty two of thirty two or thirty eight shooting, uh, above fifty percent, and and you know the records there, the best sub forty minute scoring performance in the history of the NBA. Um, you know, it's you you take all that into account. He doesn't care. He wants mm-hmm. to win rings, and so like you you see that you see him do something like this, and it's just like wow, that's that's impressive. And unfortunately, he has to do this though. If the if the Blazers are really going to give a Santa chance, I need to see 40 point 50 point nights from Damon, which is, seems so greedy to say that because he gives us so many 30 point games. But like in order to actually I know it was the Rockets, but in order to actually beat competition in the West, especially now you had KD into the West, you had Kyrie into the West, like you're going to have to go out there and score 40 50 a night in the playoffs. So, I think this is just him prepping for the playoffs is kind of what it feels like. Like here we are. Get, get, I'll give you 71 to start. I'm going to cool down a little bit and only give you a 45 for the rest of the, like going into the playoffs. That seems like what he's about to do. Uh, but no, really like it's, it really is something that like, it's great to see. I love I love to see it for Dame. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Him and Donovan Mitchell, ironically, another guy who had a great, great game this season. Luca, as much as, you know, uh, I like to not pick him for anything, you know, it's in the same category there for great seasons, a great performances this season. But like, yeah, it's, you kind of need it from those types, not so much Donovan Mitchell now, but 
you kind of need it from Dame and you need it from Luca for their teams to really be successful. And, you know, until Kyrie and, and Luca get on the same page, you're going to have to see him do something special like this too. So, I don't know. I love it for Dame, but, yeah, that was my it's first impression. Was like, oh, there he is. Yeah, it's a shame that exactly. it's a mandatory prerequisite. And also throwing there only two turnovers on the night as well too. So it wasn't completely erratic. It was very effective as well. And honestly, if they weren't running away from the Rockets before the Rockets started to make a little bit of a comeback, if they didn't kind of take their foot off the gas there, if it was close, maybe he gets 80 because he kind of took a little bit of a mini break there at parts of the third quarter because they thought they were going to run away. Then sure enough, just like the Blazers here, they kind of let the foot off the gas and here come the Rockets. So that'll and kind of lead us. Most in- importantly, I will also say, in the conversation of load management that came up, it's hilarious that against the Rockets, a team that he probably would load manage against, or any normal player would load, or any superstar player would be load management again, you know, for, he's like, no, nah, I'm out here playing. Like, I'm going to go score 71. I'm going to prove that I'm that dude. Like, I don't care. Like, so I just need to say that. Load management does not apply for Dame Dollar. If they're going to make a run for the playoffs, it definitely started there. So we'll have to see how they go the rest of the season as well. Because they're going to need every bit of it. And they're going to need Jeremy Grant to uh, take it up another notch as well. He's had a pretty good season, but they need in the West, you need just a little bit more. But we're going to round out our basketball thing with a nice little poll question here. We've had three major explosions so far. We talked about Dame Lillard. We had Spider Mitchell, 71 with nine assists, I believe it was as well. And Lucas, 60 and 20 games. So. Kelsey, you got to pick between one of these three historic performances, and no, the answer isn't yes because I know we're thinking the same thing. Is the answer would be yes? You got to only, only get to pick one. Which one are you taking as the quote unquote performance of the year so far? So when we had this conversation earlier in the season uh, between Spider and Luca, because they happened within a week of each other, I picked Luca. I've since still believe Luca because I can't not pick Luca at this point in time. He just keeps proving me wrong, but. Dame did it more efficiently. He did it in less time played. And he only turned the ball over twice. I'm going to go Dame. Like, this was a heck of a performance. I know it's against the Rockets. But, look, Lucas wasn't against anybody that impressive either. So, give me Dame in this one. Um, It's going to be a small, short comparison. There's not a whole lot. Like, you're splitting hairs at this point. They both scored a lot of points. And they both helped their team a lot. And they both covered, played defense. So, like, at that point in time, I'm just, like, basically going with who did it more efficiently and who turned the ball over less. And that's going to be Dame. That That is fair, too. And there is absolutely nothing negative for me to say about any of them. The funny part that I thought was is that Donovan Mitchell got drug tested after that game. Damian Lillard got blood, blood tested after that game. Luka did not get drug tested at all. So they're just like, no, we watched him play. There was no, there was no impediment there. He did not get over a phone book. We're, we're not drug testing him. Like they, yeah. but the other two got drug tested after theirs, which I thought was kind of funny as well. What I will also point out too is Donovan Mitchell's mom with the perfect reaction to that saying, I saw Dane tied your record. Looks like you got to go get 72 now. The perfect reaction. So a spider explosion on the horizon. That being said, between these three, I love all three. I'm going to stick with Spider Mitchell on this one. I'm going to go with Don Mitchell because of the 11 assists he had to go with it, accounting for north of 90 points against the Bulls, who, while they themselves are not a great team, they're a notch above the Rockets as well, too. So I'm going to give it to Spider Mitchell by by Spider's Lake, basically. It's going to be a, it's going to be real close, but I'm going to give it to Donovan Mitchell by a very slight edge. But I got to say, when we look at these type of historic performances, all three in the same year, I'm curious to see who's going to do something at the end of the year, like David Robinson, 70 points to secure the scoring title back in the early nineties. Watch somebody try and pull something like that off at the end of the season as well, too. Watch out LeBron, LeBron, LeBron lovers. Be careful. He might come back from this ankle injury and 
and, and, and give you three straight nights of 50. To lock in that number 11 seed, too. Just just yeah. to spec, oh, if I was there, we would have made it. To, to win one of three. <laughs> one of three. That's a perfect way to describe it. That's going to do it for the tip-off now with our basketball coverage. And now we're going to head over to the gridiron as we're going to turn now to Kelsey's second favorite part of every show. And that is the main event. The main event, of course, is brought to you by good friends over at Manscaped. And Manscaped, of course, use code HILOSPORTS. Get yourself 20% off at checkout. And real quickly, it is the start of the new year. So we got ourselves a public service announcement from Manscaped. They now have beer products. And they're going even further with their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. Go ahead, tell your friends, tell your family, tell the world. The leaders in the best below the waist grooming are now, now traveling north of the South Pole with their revolutionary grooming products. The new Weed Whacker 2.0 and their new beard line confirms that they have the best tools for your hygiene box. It's time to upgrade your game by going to manscaped.com and using code Sports for 20% off on free shipping as well. And can confirm to as somebody who has themselves a beard, I have got a chance to use it on myself as well, too. And I don't mean to brag, but the lineup's looking okay right now. I mean, it's a little spotty right now because I'm just starting to grow back. But you know what? Got to say, it's it's going pretty well. And Kelsey, even though the beer's not necessarily your strong point, too, but it's something that could definitely add to your hygiene toolbox as well. Yeah, look, I, I you know, I, I, I can't grow a beard to save my life. So <laughs> with that said, what it, you know, the lawnmower, what it does is keeps it mostly clean when I actually shave. I didn't shave this morning. I'm sorry. Like, it was a rush out of work. I woke up late. But what it does, it does it does keep this nice and clean. I don't grow enough facial hair for it to matter uh, for the most part, but it does grow in dark, so it just kind of looks like you know dirt splotches. So what it'll do, it keeps it nice close to the skin, doesn't cause the bumps and irritation like most other razors do or you know electric shavers. So I do enjoy it. I do use it every morning. So, uh, yeah, definitely definitely go check it out, guys. Manscaped.com. Use the code HILOSPORTS. Get yourself 20% off at checkout. Help yourself out. Absolutely. They have improved blade, improved blade, skin safe technology, no tugging guaranteed. Never been so painless to mind your manhole. So definitely go give that, check them out as well, too. And you know what? That's a perfect segue into our main event is we got ourselves the man of the hour. Join us as well, too. The aficionado of football, guys, the king of Chicago, whether he likes it or not, who unfortunately has to deal with all the BS that comes with it as well, too. The XFL, USFL, AFL, AFL all types of FL king himself. We got Zach Heilman. Football expert aficionado join us today for the main event. Zach, we appreciate you joining us and welcome aboard, sir. Oh, glad to be here as always. It, it feels like it's been too long, but yeah, wel- welcoming to be uh, back onto the show. And uh, what a perfect time to have me on, uh, you know, spring football in full swing and all the like. So uh, let's have it, man. I'm ready, ready to give you everything you need or, to know or love to get caught up on. I'll go ahead and start things off by saying congratulations to those who don't know for our fourth and four NFL show. Zach was the regular season Pickens champions by the skin <laughs> hey. of a unsh- untrimmed manscaped facial hair, winning on the last week on the last game of the year, as well as r- running an almost perfect record in the playoffs as well, too. I think only missing, if I'm not mistaken, two games out of all of them as well, too. Yeah, well, I, yeah, he's right. I missed the cha- I missed the Super Bowl, and I missed, of course, my uh, championship predictions there. But, uh, you know, still... It's a hell of a year. You and I dueled it out, duked it through. I'm not salty at all about these these pickums at all. I, I swear. I just, no, Kel- I Kelsey totally so doesn't hard. have to. And, and, and I, I am yet again at the bottom of the barrel. I don't get it. I don't know what I do so wrong. That is, I just, I guess I start off too slow. Zach's like 40 games ahead of me by the time I actually get anything right. You get to have your winning island. That's all that matters. Just take that with you. Be, put that as a badge of honor. <laughs> Look, if somebody would pay for that island, we we could we could happily take that as a badge of honor. This island is brought to you by Manscaped.com. 
<laughs> All right, it looks like I just you heard of Manscaped. <laughs> just saying, you might as well. Oh, I would love that. Absolutely. So, Zach, we're going to talk a little bit of XFL today. As the designated football expert here, and we kind of said earlier in the show, you like to say when the Super Bowl ends, that doesn't mean football season ends. It really just continues going on. It just branches off in another way. Football season is year-round as well. So we're going to go to the XFL, making its return, and I just want to get your first impressions. The designated spring football guy, what are your thoughts on the XFL so far in its return? Of course. Well, look, I, I think with the XFL coming in, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of comparisons to the previous three spring football iterations being, of course, XFL 2.0, uh, the AAF in 2019. And then, of course, the USFL played last year and they're going to be playing their season two in April. So you're going to have a lot of people chiming in and kind of giving their opinion. Right now, it's been it's been solid. I think for spring football aficionados, you're going to get what you expect in these early weeks. There's been a few you know rough patches and some turnovers here and there, but Keep in mind, there's been exciting finishes. Week one, three of the four games ended basically at the buzzer with the Battle Hawks, as you might have seen ESPN share around, winning, having a 12-point swing in in under three minutes, uh, thanks to some very specific rules that both the XFL and USFL share with, of course, onside attempts and, of course, the three-point play that you can have at the end for touchdowns instead of having to kick a regular extra point. So. I think you've gotten what you've expected. You know, if you're some if you're an NFL fan coming in, you're not going to get NFL level play right out of the gate. I think right now, if you're an NFL guy, you want to see the end of the season towards the playoffs coming, of course, in late April and into May. But like right now, you know, if you just like football, you're going to enjoy it. To me, you know, uh, the only thing I'll knock the league on is the Vegas decision with Cashman Field. I know that some people have tried to spin and defend that. I don't think there's a reason to defend it. It's got awful for a multi-million dollar corporation to have made a fatal error in that regard. That's the only thing they've done wrong is they did not pick that Vegas section very well and they did not do their homework. But other than that, everything else has been, I would say, pretty good and their social game has been fantastic. I think they've done a wonderful job with getting highlight videos out there and kind of just showing off what the league's all about. You know, they got plenty of content going on, a weekly show on Sundays on ESPN Plus. You got a docu-series going on like United by Football that's Player 54 with The Rock and Danny Garcia. So a lot of that stuff they've done really well. They're promoting the league well. The football's going to keep getting better each week, so just keep that in mind. But if you're expecting if you're expecting a spring football kind of floor, it definitely hits the floor out of the gate the first two weeks with a few you know nice touches in terms of some you know I think nail biters, which is is great. You know you want to if you're going to end a game on a high note, that that's a great way to go leave a game going. Wow, we can have plenty of these. So yeah, good stuff so far to start. I I I think it's it's past the test for spring football you know, as my metric. So I give it, I give it a solid, a solid grade right now. Yeah. I, I, I believe so far, if I'm not mistaken through two weeks, all but one game has hit the over uh, in, in their over unders. I, I believe it's one game. Uh, uh, it might been, be two. Yeah. I think it's about two of them. Last week you had two games that finished with an under, but right now they're most are, if you're talking betting odds and they're going to keep getting adjusted right now by Caesar, of course, like Caesar said, they're not going to do any prop bets until wait more midway through the season. Yeah. I don't Cause they're trying to figure out who's who. I mean, you, you guys probably, if you, if there's one thing you'll learn about me with spring football, you'll find out who your stars are probably towards the middle of the year, but like early weeks, it's going to be so hard. Cause you'll have a guy that'll pop off for like 90 yards one week, but then he'll all of a sudden disappear the rest of the season. And then you'll be like, great. So much for my prop for trying to follow props or anything like that. But yeah, most of them have been overs. Um, Right now, the over-unders are kind of being set at more like a high 30 range, like mid-30 range, you know. So nothing crazy, very conservative for numbers, of course, but that's probably ideal. I mean, a lot of these games probably, 
early on you'll see hit that high 30 low 40s which is where they've been sticking at for the most part uh but yeah like last week only two missed i think the over uh and that was only by a few points and then the week prior all of them i think all of them i believe hit the over except if maybe yeah. one missed but i'm pretty sure most of, not even the guardians hit the, hit the over on the Mm-hmm. On, on week one so that was that was right. a shocker to me but the guardians hit the guardians helped <laughs> hit the over on week one that was the, that was that was the big shocker yeah if there's anything you'll take away as well for teams uh you know if you get for example if you're a usfl fan and you're looking for you're like who's that maulers team that was god awful uh, the guardians have been that team now less of the pizzagate nonsense but absolutely they have not looked whatsoever like a competent group and have get they're the only team that's given up 30 points this season and they've done it twice <laughs> in a row yeah. So. It's the Paxton Lynch saga now. It's the only player to be benched <laughs> in four different leagues. Still shocking to me. Oh, yeah. And he still well, I mean, keeps getting an opportunity. Well, I mean, look, you know what? He ended on a high note with the Panthers last year. He, Which, by the way, I got to thank again Paxton Lynch for helping my team, the Michigan Panthers, get that first overall pick over the mm-hmm. Mauler. So he left with a little high note for me. I, I get that special mm-hmm. place in my heart sticks for this year. Um, but that being said, you know, right now for them, it, it's a com- it's a combination of things. It doesn't seem like that the receivers and offense are on the same page. Uh, their offensive line is the worst in the league right now. They've given up twelve sacks through two weeks. Uh, disgusting numbers, even for spring football. Not going to lie. Um, and then defensively, they you know, Juan Taylor they they do not seem to know what what's the same page right now. It's just they're unfortunately that team but everyone else i think is trying to find their way i the only one i can even compare that's maybe at that level but it's i i'm still feeling them as the vegas vipers but right now i think the other six in the league it's hard for me to pinpoint because i think that it's been tight games so far so we'll see that separation come out soon but yeah otherwise orlando you can place solely at the bottom to me though the solely top team is the houston roughnecks without a doubt most well-rounded team easily the best defense in the league in terms of statistics, you know, leading in turnovers, leading in sacks by a wide margin. Uh, Wade Phillips brought that unit to play, and their offense isn't too shabby either. I mean, Brandon Silvers has thrown four TDs. Cole McDonald's come in and done some, uh, you know, basically make like a Taysom Hill gadget type player archetype, and they've been making it work. I mean, you know, put up 33 week one, then beat a much better Renegades squad from a come from behind win at home, you know, 23 to 14 last week. So, you know, it's looking good. Uh, they're to me one that I think you can put solely at the top at this time. Absolutely. One. And my, my team in particular, the Seattle sea dragons. Now they're always, oh oh, they're the ultimate close, but no quite cigar. Like they're not <laughs> bad by any means, but their records no different than those teams at the very bottom. Do you think they have the ability to flip the switch here? Cause they've been so close or do you think they're just going to be the bad news bears? It feels like where they look good, but they're going to let you down. They really, all they need is ball security, DJ. That, 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 is, that is the only thing that is holding them back. I, They're the most frustrating team in the XFL right now because offensively, they're the most productive offense in the league right now. Even though as much as I just praised the Roughnecks, they have the best passing offense. They have the top receiver in the league. Uh, ben DiNucci has been just thrown sub, he's thrown sub 500, just under sub 500 re- passing yards through the season. Big deal is they have they're the worst opportunistic team in terms of just giving the ball away and pr- giving presence to folks. You know, with DC they had a ten point lead, eighteen to eight in the second half, and they give and then Danucci gift wraps two pick interceptions, one being for pick six, the other being for the go ahead scoring drive early in the fourth, and they couldn't figure that out. And then not to mention week one he fumbles away the game at the one yard line, but then next week 
you know, you play the Battle Hawks, who have kind of become these cardiac kid archetypes with AJ McCarron and uh, and everyone in the like, Austin Prowell. And they also give that game away, in my opinion. Two fumbles, one of them being at the at the St. Louis 18-yard line in late in the third quarter. You know, you come from behind, of course, and you lead by one, but your defense class. But honestly, most of their woes, they come from the offense. Their offense basically gives and takes any opportunity that is presented to them. Ron Zook's defense, it's been pretty solid, sans maybe pass rush. But other than that, it's held its end of the bargain. Like you seriously, I think Jim Hazlitt probably would be having close to an aneurysm at just seeing how productive their offense is only to watch them also let things just fly away within a span of a few minutes time per game. They, they really just need to not, if they can just have some sort of ball security, they would be two and zero at this time without, without a doubt in my mind. And especially given how DC's offense has been somewhat of a train wreck sans the fourth quarter last week. St. Seattle really being 0-2 has to be one of the most frustrating things if you're a spring football fan right now, just for how they have produced when they are on their A game. So what you're saying is I sure do know how to pick them is what you're telling me. You all certainly my do. Teams, they sure do know how to give me the aneurysm as well, too. They're basically the Browns and the Bears cranked up to 14 combined right now, along with a little bit of Cowboys in there, too. It's a, they're They're doing me dirty right now. You, you absolutely don't, have don't make action. me remember about Ben DiNucci's time with the Cowboys. I wasn't even going that <laughs> so far yet, but you should. <laughs> no, okay, look, so we got to talk. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh, look, I'm just saying, like, it's it's crazy because DiNucci, like I said, I, I think that they have the right offense for him, but, like, dude, just, just better ball security team wide. You know, that's it. That That's what kills me. They really could be 2 0 and leading in the North right now, but they, they just can't hold on to the damn ball. They need to watch oh, Friday Night Lights with Don Billingsby. Cover the points and roll with it. No more fumbles and no more picks, but we'll get Please. what we're covering. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we we got to move to a different quarterback. One that was, I think it would be safe to say, when he was announced the starter, uh, many people, especially in the Pro Football Newsroom XFL chat, were, let's just say, letting him have it. And that's Brandon Silvers. Yeah. Uh, but yet, number two passer in the league right now. And as you mentioned, one of the better quarterbacks so far and leading a better one of the best teams in, in the XFL. What, what's been your impression with that sort of situation? Like you see Brandon Silvers, obviously I mentioned Paxton Lynch being terrible. Uh, no surprise if, if anybody's ever watched him, but like you got Brandon Silvers who was supposed to be terrible playing at, playing probably out of his mind as, as far as we're concerned right now. Like how, what's your impressions of that? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that some efficiency could be better for him. His passing percentage has been a little – it's been – mixed i mean last week was 50 percent, but again spring football so i'm not gonna knock it but i'll be honest with you brandon silvers to me something that i've liked with him so he, more i've watched him as he's played from the aaf and onward um he's a gunslinger type of qb dude likes to fit into tight windows likes to take a few chances here and there and right now he's he's getting those chances to land but i think a lot of that comes down to offensive coordinator aj smith who is calling a pass heavy attack they're getting the ball out quick they're ma- getting him into situations where he can kind of let at times let his receivers make the plays but he has had his moments where he has been basically his usual gunslinger self you know very hard fast passes you know getting into those windows um taking chances where needed and credit you know there's been a few times he's been bailed out last game he definitely had two interceptions he got bailed out on but when he's been given time he's been making the most of it and i think that right now you know his 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 uh, i would say uh his mentality for maybe a few chances at risks coupled with what AJ Smith does for pass first 
it's been really the key, I think, in terms of how they played it. Now, like again, like he played for Seattle in 2020, and I think a lot of that we've kind of boiled down to Jim Zorn not being as good of a coordinator in terms of play calls as we were expecting. Because to me, I'm seeing a similar Brandon Silvers that I saw when he was with the Memphis Express that came in, you know, he was a game changer. He helped lead lead a few victories and had some excellent plays when he came in. I think that's what put him on the radar in the first place. And that's what has had him settle in. Because I still thought Cole McDonald was going to win this job. I thought he was going to be that guy. Um, and who knows? You know, I I think McDonald's going to be part of this offense throughout the season, just showing how they're using him as like a gadget, you know, change of pace QB. But Silvers is definitely the guy passing. And I think just he's doing enough right now to where his decisions are being the right ones and they're going the right way. Um, Smith's offense helps a ton, though. And obviously with Houston having the number one defense on the opposite side of the ball, you can have that liberty of taking maybe one or two more risks a game because you got a D on the other side that's going to make the QB's life a living hell once you give that ball right back to him. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of quarterbacks, one that's I think's got an underrated amount of notoriety was A.J. McCarron for the Battlehawks. Obviously, everyone remembers him from at Alabama when he was a superstar, Catherine Webb's boyfriend, and we saw him in the NFL where at one point he was actually people were trying to trade two second-round picks for him. Now we see him who openly has said he turned down backup jobs in the NFL for more money to come play at quarterback in the XFL and play and make memories, that sort of thing. Do you think this could be an avenue that we see maybe more NFL quarterbacks kind of take? Like I look at guys like, not to name drop, like Marcus Mariota, for example, looks like his NFL career is kind of locked in as a backup fringe guy, or maybe Carson Wentz who's now on his fourth, going to be going on his fifth team in four years. It feels like some of those guys are kind of middling too young to retire, but not quite getting the opportunities they had before. Do you think we could see them maybe, make a transition to like an XFL similar to AJ McCarron. As the sport gets more developed, that's what is, I think you're hoping teams want to see, you know, you obviously you want to get your diamonds in the rough. The guy, I think you're also hoping if you're a team, you know, say with the USFL where they had their, you know, their college draft, you're hoping that you see a few of those like fringe NFL guys, maybe at later rounds later on, as long as the league continues to grow, that maybe they choose to play right away instead of sitting on, a roster and then they can maybe springboard a little bit guys like McCarron. I think, yeah, that, that might be as the XFL grows and the USFL grows with reputation, that might be their play because for, I mean, for McCarron's sake, his was about the, about his kids. You know, he wanted to play that some memories and dudes already made several million dollars in the NFL yet. Keep in mind guys, he had a seven year NFL career before he was a free agent most recently. So he's got in NFL terms, he's got a decent chunk of change stored away. He'll, he'll be fine. Um, and he's still going to be making, you know, I know the average has been reported 60 K, but let's be honest. Uh, QBs are still going to be making more than 60 K. Um, that's not, so he's probably making at least three figures, even that being said. So that's still solid for 10 games production, but he, it's all about for him, I think an Avenue for maybe to get an extra chance again, but also just his own personal things. I think that's what you're going to see a lot more as long as these leagues are around. That's the thing right now, you know, we, spring football still is in its it's definitely in its best spot it's been in its history um maybe since the early years of the usfl in the 80s but it still has a ways to go you need a stack you need to get more financing and i think players that are in the nfl that maybe are like a mariota maybe you're you know are like say uh maybe like a chase daniel when he was younger you know dude that's basically been a backup all his life and just hopped around He's made a great living off being a backup, but like, imagine if he gets a chance to go out and do like a McCarron, he gets to play. You know, I think someone that especially was hyped up a lot coming out of college. You know, I think that is an option 
as long as this these leagues keep growing and staying around you know it, there's a lot of i think i think there's a lot to of stock to put in something that has proven it can last so that is helpful something we're seeing i will say though uh the cfl has definitely been one that i think you're going to see guys that it's more of that example like uh Mikel bethel thompson he's heading over to the usfl two-time gray cup award win award winner passing leader last year for the league you know say guys like that there were nfl guys that jump up there and maybe they take those uh you know at least those um slots for foreign players that might be someone you could see coming back in the US, into the into the americas and taking a chance with a league like this but I, a lot of your question comes down to will we see these leagues around in a few years i think we will uh there's enough interest in this country now there's two of them um and even to me like for example if we get to this scenario i hope we don't but say if one were to let go down and it were to fold in i think you're better off seeing that the interest of like say a fox or a disney refocus on the league that wins out in this battle for example but it all comes down to is at least one of these around in a few years i think it will be but i, I but yeah marcus mariota that type that that's a possibility but maybe i put time frame like three to five years down the road before we see that more commonly being a thing you know yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the the, uh, the the seeing teams kind of stick around because you know one of the big things the USFL did going into this offseason in December signed a union deal with the mm-hmm. Steelworkers and then they they just negotiated their first CBA. Now, obviously, the XFL being uh, quote unquote NFL developmental league, I guess is the technical term for it, right? Is that is that how that is? It's, is that going to be something they get? They they see in the future are they going to be trying to get a CBA along the same lines? Do you think they have? It's very com, it's convoluted. I think this is part of the is kind of convoluted, but I think they've they've stressed in talks with publicly that they are basically developing rules for the league and that they are essentially acting in that regard for the NFL. So you know the the XFL I think it says that. However, it still also tries to put to play as a professional league on the side. To me, you're going to see some unionization, I think, happen at this point. Um, just from folks I've I've talked to that I would not be shocked. Like uh, the United Football Players Association, I'm just going to go out there. They're the ones that were key in getting the USFL and the United States Steel and the U.S. Steelworkers or United Steelworkers. Yeah, I usually say yeah, United States. USW. Nonetheless, United Steelworkers was in talks. They helped with the UFPA to then get this bargaining agreement with the USFL done. Those same people have folks that played in the XFL in 2020, have played in the AAF, in other spring leagues, arena football. It's going to happen. I, I think at this point, they want that group at least sees, hey, we've seen teams, you know, these teams kind of mess up, mess players around, or maybe they've made them, they've made a deal or two that are not, you know, ideal for these guys because it's a lower level of football. It's not the NFL. You know, monies are a bit tighter. They're still decent pay i think but it's not it's not nfl-esque level but you still would like to have some benefits and some choices in that matter i think seeing the usfl do this i'd be shocked if the xfl didn't have a cba within the next two to three years um just because to me i think that's setting a standard at this point what the usfl is doing and i just don't see the forces behind the ufpa not sitting on the sidelines and not saying okay yeah, we should probably talk to like Jerry Cardinal over at Redbird and get that figured out. We'll, we'll, time will tell, you know. I, but I do think that that's highly likely. It, it's a, tr- it's that if it's the, if one domino falls, if the one rival falls, 
you're going to have guys on the other side that, yes, they are getting compensated pretty close to equally. But to me, that unionization and some of the benefits that the USFL got, I think you'd see some XFL guys going, hey, we'd love to see that come over. Maybe we should discuss this at the table and at least bring that up and see where we can go from there. So not crazy. I definitely think it's happening, though. Just I don't know how quick that timeline is going to be is the deal. Yeah, most of those things usually do take some sweet time. So it'll probably be, as you mentioned, two to three years. But, yeah, I definitely – it was a curious question because, you know, they do have the guys from the XFL right. 2.0 that were part of the United Football Players Association. And, and it could happen within the next season for season two of the XFL. Here's the thing. The USFL's one – I think me and others didn't believe they were going to get the CBA done for season two. I thought that they were going to, you know, work on it throughout, throughout the previous summer and into season three and then have the negotiations ready – to hit season three so the fact they got it done for season two was an impressive feat in its own right and they were very amicable from what i understand on both sides and getting this done so as long as that progresses and you hit the ground running like right as the offseason starts like say what they did with the usfl it's possible next year they could even have it but again that all comes down to talks going and getting started right away um the usfl's had their start with the steelworkers i believe mid-season last year like roughly in like uh may or june that got brought up so time frame will be important but you know it's it, to me it's going to happen i don't see it not happening as long as the xfl's around they are going to have a collective bargain agreement at some point in the near future i just don't see it in in the modern day spring scene i'd be hard pressed to say that they continue on that same path or at least don't get some resistance towards that you know yeah Absolutely. And the last quick question after you related to XFL is there was a report out recently that the week one to week two ratings dropped by, I think it was north of 40%, if I'm not mistaken as well. Do you chop that up to people not being as interested or do you just think nothing's going to match the hype of week one of it returning right after the Super Bowl like that? The peak and it's going to plateau. It is probably the week two is the more plateau normal point. Or do you think it could possibly be a trend to keep an eye on? Yeah. Um, First off, yeah. Week one to week two ratings are always going to drop with these leagues. That has just been status quo since the Alliance came came into play. Um, so I just kind of expect that. Uh, second off, I, I, I'm just full disclosure, ratings talk is the most maddening thing in spring football. Like people chop up and will ma- they'll do mental gymnastics one way or another, uh, no matter what the side is on the discussion. For week two, here's what I'm going to give you in my thoughts, because these are my thoughts. I do work in television, so full disclosure, I do kind of analyze this and know and have been very well kept to the scene of it. Um, so here's what my opinion is. Um, week two, you had you know majority games, all of them were on cable. You know, one was on ESPN, one's on ESPN two, two games on FX, with one of those being a Thursday night game on FX as well. I honestly think week two's ratings in the scale of what cable is today, you know, cable television, which has been slowly decreasing. They're solid numbers, you know, 553k for a Thursday night game, spring football wise on FX, which is a historically a network that has had minimal sports coverage until this year. That's not a bad draw. Um, and FX, you know, even for a weekend game FX, that Vipers and Defenders game, the one that most people have had quite their own opinion on myself included, that one drew 600k like that for FX, which FX's average fan base does not, like, average viewership a year does not draw that. That's above average for them, so that's good. ESPN2, they drew 681. That's pretty good for ESPN2 numbers. The only one that I would say, you know, and this is, again, 
very minimal in terms of what I would say was bad was ESPN. They drew 781. And that's only because I ESPN's a top six network in the country. So sure, I'll add that. But that ratings talk is going to kill kill you in, in your soul, at least, if you keep on discussing it. I, 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 I almost am to the point where I, I see the numbers and go, okay, it's neat, and I move on. Because there's so many other factors in our modern media setting. First off, ESPN Plus is airing all these games. Yes, will will be the majority of viewership? No. But it's still going to take some people that metrics will be implied. Second off, the networks have their own perspective perspective on how they want to do this. You can have a perspective on watch on your viewership rights, but you have no clue how Disney views how these viewership numbers are unless someone gives an insider source to like say Sports Business Journal and says, "Oh yeah, no this is a problem." Like unless that comes out you have no idea because those things they hold to the vest. It's the same thing with Fox and NBC. The only thing we saw last year about that is that at the end of the season, they thought the ratings were solid and that at least NBC and Fox has said they made money on those advertisings and did good for that period of time during the year. But right now, ratings you take, you know, to me, you put them in there, maybe you acquaint to them, you know, in terms of the scope of what television's like and you just move on. It, really, the end of the year, you'll find out truly if the network is upset with how things turned out um in the scope of ratings though you almost expect sliding decreasing returns because keep in mind the initial shock of joining and checking out a viewership and an audience with a product always is its peak at the beginning and the playoffs will get a spike as well at the end too not to mention abc being a free network to tune into easier access cables harder to access you have to pay to get in usually even with espn plus most people will not buy espn plus most will probably view through their their choice of viewership so a lot of factors ratings talk to me like i said it's the most maddening thing for this sector of the sport um we get through it we view it uh i think by the end of the year you'll you'll hear you'll for sure hear by by the championship week i think what disney thinks but I think as long as Fox, in terms of FX, like through this stretch of games where they're on FX for like weeks two through five, mostly, if they do well on there, then, I mean, that's got to feel good. FX doesn't even have sports anyway until this year with, the, with, with XFL. So they got to be happy that those numbers are even being drawn with just throwing up a, a new league on there. Yeah, everything no, is a pound of salt and move and move forward. Don't don't look too far into. Yeah, it. I mean, like I said, I I I cannot tell you. I'm in, you know, I'm on Discords and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook. The amount of mm-hmm. talk and everyone's skew on ratings. Seriously, you you will drive yourself mad week by week if you just wait till like Tuesday to see ratings drops and then go, oh, this is great. Or here's some dude going, oh, the sky's falling. Ah, it's not working. And then you know for mm-hmm. damn sure. That Mike Florio for Pro Football Newsroom. It doesn't matter what league it is, he'll he'll drop something that says up oh, ratings drop. It, it's such an easy big news like article. Like it's cheap. It's like cheap viewership because you can just put it on there because you know what's going to happen. It happens every league. It, that, that's yeah. that's just the truth of the situation. I'm sorry, but that's how this. It's every <laughs> skew. It always happens like that. It's not like we in podcasting don't know a thing or two about viewership numbers and and not following the numbers or anything like that, do we? No, you know, it it is funny. It is an easy, easy uh, headline, clickbait headline, if you will, for for some people. Uh, All right. Last XFL question before we get to the, 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 you know, a little bit of a fun question as well. But this is the last XFL question for you. Who's been your surprise so far 
team or player or coach. And on the other side of things, give us your championship prediction. Ooh, man, that these are, these are all hard. I'll be honest with you. Um, I think right out the gate, my surprise player is Jack Cohn um, for the San Antonio Brahmas. Uh, you know, week one, he was looking pretty solid, had a few, had some guys not help him out and bail on drops. Um, and I think that I was wondering if he would be one of the guys that would even be up in the top higher, in the, in the top tier of QBs so far. Last week, did a, you know, again, it, it's, he's efficient, but he's showing flashes. He can be more than just efficient in that offense. So, I like him a lot. Um, he's been growing on me a little bit more. That's somebody you got to watch out for. That if the Brahmas next week, if I mean, hey, if if that progression keeps happening and say they beat Houston, then yeah, they're on they're on uh, high alert, and I'm going to be even praising Cohen even more so. But you know, the former uh, the former you know Notre Dame product himself, UCLA. I mean, dude's dude's been solid so far. I keep an eye on him. Uh, Trent Harris on. The Roughnecks, dude, has four and a half sacks. Now, credit, he cooled down last week, but he had four sacks week one and is already on a very good pace to possibly be a double-digit sack leader in this league. So watch out for him. You know, he's very much been a terror on the edge for the Roughnecks. Seriously, keep an eye on him. Uh, Coach-wise, I think in terms of coaches, you know, Anthony Becht, I was wondering about him. Uh, I love the dude's energy. Dude's been pro league since the beginning and i think has very much been championing the league more so than any coach in the league itself uh but i mean dude's been a joy to follow um you know one thing i like is that he's had a disciplined squad they have not had a single they have not had a turnover or at least they've been very turnover conscious in terms of ball ball protection uh they haven't been they've been disciplined in terms of you know penalties they keep in games i mean you got to be. You got to give a lot of props to him for kind of just believing in his. You know, coaches got to believe in their guys even more. You know, for the sake of it, but like even more so. Like, dude is fully bought in. You know, and I think that's your favorite coaches. If you buy into this like tenfold, you got to be behind him. So St. Louis has got a really good one, um, and that should hopefully keep going even more up and up as needed for them, especially week four. Jesus, they're going to sell that building really well in St. Louis in week four. Um, championship predictions right now. I think out of the South, I I don't feel I don't feel uh, bad saying that Houston just looks like they will be there. Um, most complete team at this time, you know. Sure, Brandon Silvers is a gunslinger, but that's helped him out. And again, that defense, unless they just have a fall off, that is going to be the most important aspect. In any, in spring leagues in general, defenses are almost always ahead of offenses starting out for the season. And having a defense that's that dominating in terms of turnover battle, in terms of sacks, in terms of just making QB's lives hell, that will go a long way. So I've got Houston in the south. Uh, in the north, right now, it's a little tougher for me because I, I really think if Seattle just could get things together, they could possibly make an argument for that. But I'm going to go with the Battle Hawks at this moment just because I look at the rest of the north and – Vegas isn't it right now. They have other problems very much so in trying to figure out their offense and getting Brett Huntley up to speed. Uh, Seattle, I've already said, turnover issues. They can't get out of their own way. And D.C., offensively, they're a train wreck. But Greg Williams has kept them in games thanks to his defense just being aggressive. So, you know, St. Louis has the most well-rounded squad. I have to go with them. Have they been some some cardiac kid type of moments in the first two weeks? Sure, but – 
they've been competent. They've been disciplined. They have been consistent, and they don't put themselves out of games. I think St. Louis and Houston's going to be in the championship. My early favorite is Houston to win the championship, though, because seriously, that defense, I cannot stress enough, it has just been that damn impressive. And, I mean, having that much of an imposing force that can just make your your day on offense that much more of a nightmare to go through, I got to go with them unless someone else sneaks up. My dark horse is San Antonio, but that's because I'm leaning on Jack Cohen to continue his upward progression and for them to kind of wipe away that ugly loss in the last three minutes they had in week one, because really they had that thing dead to rights. They just had to play a few decent down a few decent drives better. And they walk away and they're two and zero right now. I like the sound of that. Uh, I, as, as that's what I, that's the team I have randomly out of a hat selected as hmm. San Antonio Brahmas. And I do mean randomly out of a hat. It was wow. between them and the battle Hawks. So okay, uh, okay. Brahma's ended up taking the lead. Um, you know, losing team out of the first game. So there you go. Eh, look, look, they they've got a hell of a fan base down down there. Tons of dedicated people. If you on their Facebook pages, I mean, they they do a bunch of community events just that are independent stuff. It's awesome. And then St. Louis, I mean, they've stuck around ever since. You know, seriously, you scoring you scoring a city like that the way that they did with the L, with L A leaving. They've been wanting football since. I mean, if anything. I almost find this is just a plea for them to go, hey, NFL, maybe you should, well, maybe they won't come back. I don't know. It could be like Memphis where they don't want a team anymore because of how they got burned. But, you know, if anything, they love the Battlehawks. It is a Battlehawk town right now. Yeah. No, yeah. that is for sure. Absolutely. And uh, you know what? I know she didn't mention the Sea Dragons making a late run. So I'll be the one who's, I'll be the one saying they make the late run here and they, they flip the they script. Just, they learn how to cover the points and roll with it and steal a little stick on this one. Just hold on be safer with the ball. That's all it is. They really could be the leaders in the North right now. They just have to play it safe and not have stupid mistakes mentally late in games. That's it. I, I blame Josh Gordon. Uh, somehow it's his fault on this one. With what's, 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 what's a lot in Seattle, I'm blaming Look, him. Jo- I'll tell you what, Gordon's, been, show in, in Seattle. Gordon's mm-hmm. been good, but the leading receiver in the league, you got to keep following him, Jacore Pearson. That guy's going to be in the NFL, I bet, by next year. Dude's been great in the mid. Dude's been great in all levels in the secondary so far and has been a go-to guy for Ben DiNucci. Keep an eye on him. He's been great so far, consistently high performances throughout the th- first two weeks. Interesting. Duly noted, maybe he has a Turpin-like thing like what Turpin did with the USFL then made his switch up. Maybe we see that with him as well, too. So mm-hmm. keep an eye. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here, everybody, first. We're going to have this clips just in case in the future. Zach Calvin, the prophet. So you heard it here first, everybody. But that's going to do it for our main event segment. Don't worry. Zach's not going anywhere. He's going to join us here know. for Kelsey's favorite part of every show. And that is Crunch Time brought to you by our good friends over at Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backslash Sports. Get yourself a free seven-day trial. Bet smarter, not harder. Try and win yourself some money. But by using some of the best analytics as far as trends, right, that sort of thing as well, too, to make, put together the best parlays and bets for yourself as well. Sports betting is illegal. Outlier is a must. And Kelsey and I have been on a bit with Snide, so we started dipping Outlier to get ourselves out of it as well. Because our doing off the top of the head has been a little rough recently, so we're definitely dipping back into it. But here in crunch time, as everyone's aware and Zach, you know as well, this is where we get a chance to go off a little bit. We get to talk about something that intrigues us, just something that comes in mind. As a guest of honor, we're going to save you best for last. So, Kelsey, I'm going to let you go ahead and go first. We're going to let Kelsey tell us what you have in crunch time, real quick. Yeah. So, it is Women's History Month, which means we are going to be featuring one trailblazing female every episode during the month of March. And today, well, it's the the great one, if you will, Serena Williams. Nice. Um, I don't think there's any question about this one. Serena Williams, as possibly 
the world's best and America's best athlete of all time. I'll say that I have no problem dying on this hill. Um, definitely the greatest tennis player of all time, male or female. She was ranked world number one in the singles women's women's tennis association for 319 weeks, including a joint record of 186 consecutive weeks and finished as the year end number one, five different times. She won 23 grand slam single titles, the most by any player in the open era and the second most of all time, male or female. And she's only play, the only player, male or female, to accomplish a career golden slam in both singles and doubles. But honestly, it wasn't just what she did on the on the court. It's also what she did outside of the arena. That's what really made Serena Williams stand out. Everything she does in her community, everything she does to grow the game, to grow the community awareness. I mean, look, you talk about her Aneris line with Nike. Set a, set a brand new standard for women's line. It doesn't have to just be all skirts and everything every time you go on a tennis court. Serena Williams has done it all. She has been a fashion mogul. She has been a you know entrepreneur. She has done it all. Um, so this today, Serena Williams. If you guys haven't ever looked up anything about Serena Williams, please go do so. She is today's feature for Women's History Month, day number one of Women's History Month. And honestly, I couldn't think of a better person to start it out with. I thought I was going to be sneaky and maybe sneak somebody else in here, but there's no way I can replace the greatest athlete of all time in my book with anybody else. Absolutely. I'm going to keep mine relatively quick and simple. We're going to go from one goat to arguably another goat. As this weekend in the in the octagon, we have the return of arguably the MMA goat himself, John Jones, stepping up to heavyweight, putting on. Just look at him. He does not have abs anymore. He has embraced the heavyweight life, but not in a bad way. He looks look for him to cement his legacy there, undefeated in title fights, taking on a limited fighter, great on his feet. But John Jones, we know we know he's capable. So I say look forward to him to really stamp his. Greatest of all time argument as well. That definitely a huge super fight. His first time at heavyweight, three years training for it. Nonetheless, too, he's not just doing it on a whim. It's been three years working his way here. So I look forward to seeing that. Now, Zach, we're going to go to you here first. So we're going to do a double part here. So Zach, I'm going to give you a moment to sound off on something. Then I'm going to put. Then we're going to put you on a little bit of a grill here afterwards. But I'll let go and let you go first. Is there anything you'd like to sound off here in crunch time? Uh, crunch time wise, uh, you know. Right now, um, not too much, honestly, except for the fact that uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, that Antonio Brown might be involved in arena football here. Um, I guess there was a thing that came out as you guys are going live. Uh, he might be buying into the Albany Empire with his dad, Eddie Brown, as a part owner. Um, at least that's reported by WNYT in Albany. Uh, something to keep in mind, uh, which would be fascinating for the sport of arena football because just anything with the Brown family or especially Antonio being involved is something that at least media wants to follow, but there's my crunch time. I guess you can kind of let me sizzle on that is just that that came up before I came on and I was like, Oh, I wonder if I can fit this in. It's like, perfect. I'll fit it in right now. Just that was a in. sizzler just to start us off. We haven't even gotten to the grilling question yet. Like now, <laughs> now we're, we started this, the, started the grill a little too early. Heating up everything with that one. Jeez, <laughs> no, I no, hang on a minute. <laughs> Get 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 a get, get yourself a microcloth and just you know, let me just get that. There we go. There we go. Gotta be able to see them. So this is a two parter I got for you as well too. First one, well while it's spring football season, your Chicago Bears are kind of the bell of the ball right now in the NFL offseason. Yes. Everything there, everyone kind of has their eyes on them. What are they gonna do next? So I'm gonna ask you first off, first pick in the draft. You're the Bears. We're still getting in the combine, so there's still a lot to look forward to, a lot to learn, but what are your thoughts right now if you're the Bears? If you have that number one pick, what do you think? 
Yeah, you trade back. I I, I know that. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I I unless unless you see Bryce Young at the combine here, just completely, or C.J. Stroud, whoever, just utterly annihilate any metric that even was set for themselves. You you go and trade back. You know, it, you you run with Justin Fields for year three. And you just start building up talent. So I think you trade back, you at least get your first round, you know, pick that you can get up. And I think that you build on extra draft capital. So at least get another first rounder next year. I think you take that. So you keep on building the upward trajectory. Um, I don't think you double up on first rounders this season. So that that's how I'm looking at it. And then you just kind of add extra, like maybe a third, maybe another third, you know, fifth, something like that. You know, just get a bunch of picks. And keep building because like the, the truth is as we've seen people a bunch of projections and i agree have will anderson going to chicago and i think no matter what with all the different suitors you have you know if you really want will anderson for example you got a few suitors i mean dj knows that you know we him and i have been joking since fourth and four ended that you know the colts and bears have been should be talking to each other almost every week going hey we're still good right yeah yeah mm-hmm. totally you got that compensation package yeah sure sure great great yeah come on jump on on up mm-hmm. ahead of the texans um that's that's the deal you know you you just want to get something i think you get i think you get will anderson and i think you get another first rounder next year to where you can you know keep up with your productions because i think as well say that you know fields doesn't work out this year you then have insurance next year that you can maybe try and go for a decent QB class out there. You know, Caleb Williams is around the corner, and he is already having people's eyes kind of gazed his direction for 2024. So, you know, worst-case scenario, that happens. Best-case scenario, you get to stockpile a bunch of young talent and get to hit the reset button really hard for two years, and Justin Fields keeps going up and up as needed. Trade back, man. You got to trade back. You know, too many suitors that you don't – that to coming your way – that eventually one will be desperate enough. You got to take a deal. Before so Kelsey I heard us. in there though. I hold on. I have to stop it here. And I ha- I heard that there is a possibility that Zach is okay with a Justin Fields being traded moment. Only if oh. I see at the combine that the that somehow Bryce Young just completely shatters everyone's expectations that he already has. Like I said, you have to see a QB come in and just look like he is already going to be that top guy right out of the gate. Because otherwise, I don't think you do it. My percentage is like 5% that I think this that happens. 5% too much, my guy. I'm sorry. Like I'm like 4.9% too high. Let me rephrase that. As like... it's been stated, good GMs still look at all their options. So even though it's the very least likely option, you still have to look at it. You know? I'm you just still saying, keep I... it there. I can count five guys in front of Justin Fields on the field that I would like to see them replace first before ever letting Justin Fields go. Oh, I know. But then I'm I not know. even a Bears fan, so why don't I, I don't even know why I'm hoping oh, trust the Bears me. keep Justin Fields. Trust me, I don't think that this is a Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray situation that happens. I, I really don't think this happens here. You know, I, I really believe they do trade back and that they get Will Anderson in, like, the top five in terms of picks. You know, because I do think the Colts are the likeliest one to jump up in my opinion, because just the situation alone, Chris Ballard getting his kind of last ditch effort, in my opinion, as a GM, you know, and finally needing to do something in terms of QB selection. So, you know, that's where I'm at. Okay. I, I have to stress that the the reason, again, I leave that, that slight option is that it, you never know. 
you know, I, like you I said, it, the, the combine really does change perspectives in terms of how things are, you know, whether it's, I mean, think about this, Justin Fields were crying out loud. His stock got dropped because of the damn combine just prior two years ago because of how he answered questions, even though his physical attributes were off the charts, yeah. you know? So anything Why'd you leave Georgia? Happen? I don't know. I just <laughs> wanted to leave Georgia. That's like <laughs> the worst answer you could have ever given, but it's, I totally understand as a person who has lived in the state. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of factors over the next month. I don't think that they let go of Justin Fields. It's it's too early. It's one year. You know, they needed they need a plethora of stuff to still, I think, get proof that they need to move on. And it's still a rookie deal, you know, like you get you still have at least this year and next that you can kind of evaluate, you know, they're gonna stay with him. I am sorry. I, I put it there because a good general manager still looks at all his options before going back to saying all right, we exercise that. We're going to go back to the obvious thing we had in the first place. So that, that's where we're at. That's crazy. Too, I just they... had, to, I had to point it out, though. Yeah, I know. I know. Because, because here's the thing. You're, you're pointing out the thing that makes discourse on Twitter with, between Bears fans, <laughs> which is something that I have completely bailed on, is, is talking about anything Justin Fields or, well, this offense. or. Well, I mean, we did talk about metrics. ratings earlier. I, we didn't, you know, mm, which one's more maddening ratings are talking about Justin Fields on the Chicago bears. <laughs> I did not have enough yes. hair left to deal with this conversation, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I'm not even going to answer that question because they're, they're both, I, I definitely will be bald by the end of the, by, by fall. If I have to do that. <laughs> what I will chip in on top of that too, to add is if I don't think you get as much for Justin Fields as you do that first pick too, just because he's been in the league a couple of years, you won't get the rookie deal and he hasn't, He's been he's had months, but he hasn't it hasn't been like Patrick Mahomes for a couple of years or something freakish. He's shown promise, but you're not gonna you'll be lucky to get a first, honestly. I think if you trade Justin Fields, like maybe you swindle it with the Colts and you get like pick number four and a second round pick swap, something right. like that. Like, but that's like the peak of what you get from right now. Maybe Kenny Moore you throw in there too. Yeah, I mean, I think team, small, but I think yeah. if you're a team too, like I agree with you. You're you're looking at Fields and going. You know, sure, like, yeah, he, he probably – his electric run ability is great. But keep in mind, like, that was what they had to lean on a lot. He got banged up a lot last year because of it. The Bears really – it's not been stated enough. There's no way they do the running scheme like they did last year again. They, they just can't because yeah. you're going you're gonna to basically wipe out some of his early expectancy for his career trajectory just by getting him hit that much again after two years of being just completely annihilated either in the pocket or on the run. So – they're going to expect him to throw more, you know, and that's the big question. You know, can you, will, will we see him, which he has great deep ball capacity. He's been showing signs that he's getting flashes, but can you put that together and be that your main way with then getting escape out of the pocket? That's what people want to see. So they're definitely going to lean on that. And it, to me, you look at the jets. I think it's easier to do the route where you build around everything. And then you just need the quarterback rather than saying, well, we got the quarterback. Now we'll hope he works out, and then we'll just build everything else after. No, no. Get the supporting staff and then put in essentially the field general to lead your great supporting staff. That's what I think needs to happen first. So if Fields is that field field general, then there you go. You You put the rest around him, and then that's it. If not, that's where I say the security blanket comes in where you go, all right, if 2023 is god awful, but everything else was great. Like say a Zach Wilson, which it won't. I don't think it will at all be that way. But if it were, if you have to hit the nuke button, yeah, 2024's got some QBs. You can go and next year kind of pull that trigger and figure it out because the rest of your squad will look great, and you can keep building around that squad. So, so Still much. They have the so many pieces they have to fix 
might as well build around the rest and say the QB can be figured out down the line or will be figured out. I still stand on the, the answer for the Bears is Will Anderson and then offensive line. That should be their Absolutely. entire draft plan. Will Anderson, best available offensive lineman after I, that. I, I could care less. I, I mean, look, they went cheap with skill players last year. Sands, of course, they have Montgomery and you know how and everyone in the backfield there, but they can do another season where it's kind of light. They did trade, you know. They obviously did did make their own trade their own trades and such last season to kind of, you know, minimal effect. But they need offensive line. They need D line. They need linebacker help. I mean, all the core stuff that's Insert like the front here. Yeah, the trench work so badly needs to be fixed. They they have the secondary pieces in, the, in on the defensive secondary front that I think you'll that people are happy about that's been growing up well. I just think front seven, front five, they were dismal last season. Pass rush was abysmal beyond belief. You got to fix these pieces before you can even consider anything beyond just that. Get a core, build the core, then put the fancy stuff on that core. <laughs> you know wild last idea i just had is let's say you trade back you get a buttload of picks maybe you flip one of those picks into a number one receiver kind of like we saw the bills do for stefan Diggs. maybe because there are some receivers yeah 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 i mean thinking maybe a jerry judy who might be on the market as well too teams that needs like a young receiver that's closing in on getting paid somebody wants to flip like you never know you never know justin that's what's crazy with chicago you know it's crazy with chicago they have all this draft capital, but remember they have ninety-five million dollars in cap space. I mean, and that you know it was supposed to what be even that more than like? that. It was supposed <laughs> to be even more than that when they came in, but you know with the adjusted cap, it's ninety-five. That that's a lot of play around money that you can play. I mean, as long as you sell to free agents that hey, look, we've got this electric quarterback right here that could use a number one target. Or if you're on the defense going, hey, we got some decent secondary guys. We want someone that can come in and be that number one dude right out of the front. Like, you have the money to play around with. My thing is just, you know, don't be a – don't – and I hate I – I hate that I'm putting this on your shoulders, DJ, but, like, don't be a Chris Boward and be a dragon hoarding the treasure chest. You know, don't be a cheapskate. But also, don't be desperate. Like, don't just throw money to throw money. You know, that's the balance you got to play. It's such an important offseason for the Bears. They have so much assets at their disposal, but they have to nail it, at least in this first year. They got to get some decent amount of stuff that is going the right direction in terms of roster building. I'll be honest. I'm If I'm the Bears GM, I'm, I'm walking into the offensive line free agency room, dropping five bags of $10 million each, saying, hey, here's your new contract. I need the five best of you to come and play for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> Oops! Gotta... Oh, what's that? I still have forty-five million dollars in cap space to play with. Okay, let's go actually figure out the rest of my team. But like, that's my first step. I'm just, where's the five? Like, I'm ba- I'm basically pulling the Bengals. I'm hoarding all the offensive linemen this year, and there's nobody, nothing anybody can do about it. Like, that's go. just that's it. Like, that's 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 bears. Otherwise, like you mentioned, Justin Fields, it's like he's smoking back there, taking years off his life for each cigarette. So each time he gets hit, it's years off his career. <laughs> Smoking Jay, but like in a worse, worse possible scenario where public service announcement: getting, playing quarterback actually... for the Bears will take years off of your life. <laughs> the Attorney General, or the Surgeon General, has warned that this could cause cancer. You might be entitled to some compensation, but that's that going to do a four-hour episode here today. And Zach, I'm going to give you a moment. Go and tell everybody where they can find you at, and tell tell, tell us a little bit about some of the things you do as well. To let the people know. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, look, if you want, you want plenty of spring football coverage. Uh, my my primary shows, I do USFL coverage. And I do uh, arena football shows as well. With one of our, actually, the arena one is one of our good buddies on this on Fourth and Four that we share with with Jim Mernier. Uh That's inside the walls at In Walls Pod on social media, uh, also on YouTube as well. So go and subscribe there. And for the USFL show, the USFL podcast, which props we just crossed 3,000 subscribers so uh for those out there thank you very much um you can go check out that channel at usfl podcast and on social media at, at usfl podcast as well posting you usually weekly episodes um and as well as plenty of player interviews and conversations on there uh, you don't want to miss it like seriously if you like spring football i got you covered uh and also yeah, we also got you covered as well as the Pro Football Newsroom series, XFL Newsroom, USFL Newsroom, uh, Arena Football Newsroom, Pro Football Newsroom. You name it, we got it. Uh, come stop on by and, uh, you know, check out some spring football, guys. I mean, seriously, you know, XFL, it's a solid product. You know, USFL, definitely a solid product. You don't want to miss out. You know, if you love football, you'll, you'll like these leagues. But, yeah, check, check me out. Good shows, good coverage. I can't complain. I have a fun time. It's a blast. Mm. That's all I got. <laughs> absolutely we always have a blast with as well too we greatly appreciate you joining us as well as everybody who's able to stop in hang out with us for this while talks all things from football to basketball and everything in between we greatly appreciate it and we will see you guys all again next week 